Chapter forty eight of the Pennycomb Quicks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Pennycomb Quicks by Sabine Baring Gould. Chapter forty eight. Trapped. For the last hour of the ascent, the carriages passed through snow, not continuous, but between walls cut in the avalanches and drifts that had formed in the basins. The air was cold, the ground was so wet through melted snow that Philip and Mrs. Sidebottom and Mademoiselle Labarte were obliged to ride. The walls of snow had fallen in here and there, so that the horses were obliged to flounder through. The scenery was bleak and wintry. The ladies shivered. At length the lake was reached in which the Royce had its source, and a little beyond it the roofs of the hospice and the inn were visible. In ten minutes the shivering party was assembled in the salle à manger, which was heated, and was ordering dinner. The monks had been banished for many years, and the hospice let by the canton of Tessin to an innkeeper of Airolo, who, with his worthy wife and family, had been in no way inferior in hospitality, in care for the poor travellers, and in providing for the comforts of the rich than were the brothers of old. Signora Lombardi, stout, hale, and smiling, was in the hospice, exerting all her energies to get food ready for the large party that had come in wines the best of north italy were to be had and veal in various forms but always veal call it what you will oh my goodness gracious me cried mrs sidebottom there is a dog a mount st bernard dog oh the size the beauty it must become the rage why i have heard of more than two hundred pounds being given for a tulip and what would not be given for such a dog as this and with pulmonary complaint too that develops on the plains you do not mean to say aunt that you are going to invest in shares in the beeple yow dog breeding establishment said philip satirically colonel yow are you speaking about interrupted miss durham eagerly do tell me do you think he will establish his claims to the title of schofield he can establish his title to that name whenever he pleases said philip and once more if you have any regard for our feelings you will not mention that person again in our hearing oh here in this glass on the table are some draggled specimens of the white fluffy flower you call edelweiss perhaps our landlady signora lombardi will tell us if it grew near this inn oh signor answered the stout woman it is to be found by the searchers but i have never discovered it i am too fat to climb and besides my day for edelweiss is over she laughed and shook her sides as though she had made a good joke i leave the edelweiss to the young people her eye rested with a sly twinkle first on the captain and janet about whom there could be no doubt and then on philip and her eye hesitated a moment between salome and artemisia and then rested on the latter philip looked uneasily out of the little window at the bleak outer world when dinner was finished the afternoon was advanced philip went out in front of the inn on the platform of rock upon which it is built some of the ladies talked of taking a stroll to the head of the val tremola but determined not to go far they would reserve their strength for the ensuing day he did not volunteer to accompany them he had another scheme in his head outside the inn was a guide lounging about smoking and calling to such as passed in the road 
philip signed to him that he desired to speak to him and the man came to him with alacrity but shook his head and pointed to one of the snow peaks he could speak only italian and philip only english they were obliged to converse in dumb show philip showed him the flower of edelweiss he had brought from the glass on the table inside the man nodded his head philip raised his eyebrows in note of query and pointed to the rocks around see si, see si, answered the man shaking his head like a poised china mandarin all about there anywhere asked philip speaking very loud as though by loudness he could make the man comprehend oh if it is anywhere i can find it easily the man shook his head and again pointed to a snow peak over which a film of cloud was forming then being blown away then forming again do you mean that it is not out there asked philip i knew that as well as you there are only ice and snow yonder bless my soul what idiots these men are then he went back into the inn to equip himself with gaiters and strong boots and to fetch his stick with a chamois horn for a handle that he had bought whilst he was engaged fastening his leggings he heard the voices of the young ladies outside the house they were starting for a walk presently he descended from his room and studied the map of the district suspended in the sal till he thought he had it well impressed on his brain after which he sallied forth the guide was no longer outside the afternoon was verging to a close and no one would be likely to require his services he supposed consequently he had retired to the lower room of the hospice on a level with the road where the drivers and carriers the guides and peasants were regaled with sour wine philip was relieved to see that the fellow was no longer there he might have wanted to come with him and show him the way and it would have been irksome to trudge beside a man with whom it was not possible to converse besides edelweiss was to be found everywhere madame lombardi had said if looked for on the rocks those guides made difficulties about finding it so as to induce the uninitiated and easily persuaded to engage them to direct them to spots where it grew philip resolved to go by himself he would not go far he could not lose his way there were no yawning chasms down which he might tumble that he could see and avalanches he was told fell in the early spring he must do some climbing of course because the tourists would have picked all the edelweiss within reach on both sides of the road and he must scramble to places they had not ransacked but he would not go into any danger he would keep his eye on the hospice or at least the road along the road he trudged in his heavy boots till he came to a great weather-beaten crucifix that marked the beginning of the descent on the italian side the cross was painted dull red but the paint had peeled away in patches blistered by frost or sun philip looked up wonderingly at it how out of place it seemed there in that wilderness of bare rock and pure snow he seemed to be in the midst of a primeval world which had not yet begun to produce green trees and herbs the fowl and living beasts all around was utter silence the world around was lifeless the sun was behind the great wall of snowy glacier mountains and the vapor that was collected like smoke on its head so that the prospect seemed to be that of a world such as existed when there was light but the sun was uncreate and in the centre of this inchoate unvitalized world stood the crucifix 
the mountains looked down on it the glaciers frowned on it as a thing of to-day as though they said we were before ever you were dreamed of and we shall be long after mankind has ceased to believe in self-devotion and has come to laugh at every creed save the idolatry of self then philip diverged from the road and began to climb there was a valley opening here from the highest peaks down which a little rill fell and on the flank of the mountain which faced the south there was comparatively little snow and philip saw tracts of moss and herbage that would be the garden of the edelweiss there he must search and he would find a desired flower without serious trouble he was surprised to find the distances greater than they appeared in that highly rarefied and clear air things far off appeared close and dimensions as well as distances were deceptive he found green carpets of dwarf campion studded with pink flower dense as moss and in the bogs soldanella shaking their delicately fringed purple bells but no edelweiss disappointed in his search on the slope which had promised he crossed the brook and crept along the flank of the opposite mountain he would turn its shoulder and get to the side well exposed to the sun that which he had just explored was he now perceived shut off from all but vertical rays by the mountain ridge south of it he groped and scrambled turned back went higher had long lost sight of the hospice had not indeed remembered to look for it when suddenly he was enveloped in dense white fog he could however see the sun through it like a copper ball but only for a minute and then it sank behind a ridge at least so he supposed for it was extinguished gradually he must now retrace his steps he dare not advance he thought he could find his way back he remembered several landmarks a rock on top of which was some dwarf shrub like a wig worn by an old fellow he knew at nottingham and a furrow which if he followed it must lead him to the brook but he soon found that he had lost all sense of direction the disappearance of the sun had taken from him the only clue as to the points of the compass he was hot he sat down for a moment and wiped his face the water was streaming off it he was not as yet alarmed only vexed vexed especially at his having made this expedition in vain he would have to return without the edelweiss that is old jarvis's head with the wig thrust back he said as a nodule of rolled rock appeared through the mist but when he took a second look at it he doubted i wish i had brought a whiskey flask with me he muttered i'm beginning to feel an ache in my muscles he stumbled on and now to his alarm saw that the darkness was closing in rapidly he had not considered when he started that in the south of europe there is no twilight and that night comes after day without hours of grace now it flashed upon him that what the guide had meant when indicating the mountain-top wreathed in vapour was not that edelweiss grew there but that the weather was going to change or the fog to descend he hurried on but did not know in which direction he was going he was on a steep slope of snow that stretched before him apparently interminably lost itself in vapour and curled over and enveloped him as in an apple-pie bed a cold sheet of white below before above behind and at that moment he saw on the rock above him almost within reach the white starry nodding head of an edelweiss 
the woolly flower was burdened with the moisture that had condensed on it from the fog and was hanging over the stone to shake itself free with an exclamation of satisfaction philip sprang up the slope caught the rock with the hook of his stick and tore the edelweiss away had the crook of his stick been what it professed to be a chamois horn he would have been safe it would have sustained his weight but as it was only bone and the curve came across the grain it snapped and philip shot down the snowy declivity he still grasped the tuft of edelweiss he thrust his stick into the snow to arrest his descent he tore up the snow twisted the stick in his hand and shot further down shot instantaneously out of the fog into dusk in which everything was distinct and below he saw a great sweep of snow like a sheet he looked into it as sancho panza into that in which he was being tossed he drove his heels into the snow his elbows his stick to retard his descent and suddenly dropped then found himself on rubble still sliding and brought up with a jerk by a rock for a few minutes philip was unconscious he was aware of a shock a slide darkness and noise that was all but where was he he had vanished from the face of the earth gone through the surface of snow into a depth beneath a field of snow had filled the bottom of a valley and a river ran beneath in a ravine nothing could be seen of the cleft nothing of the river the smooth sheet of snow hid both but the force of philip's descent had broken through that portion of the covering where it was thinnest near the rock and rubble he had gone through and was buried alive beneath him about him was darkness pitch darkness only above could he see the hole through which he had fallen looking like a silver-gray disk the air about him was filled with thunder the pulsating thunder such as he had heard at the fall of the royce at the devil's bridge such as he had heard that very day where the river plunged over a wall of rock in the gorge above hospenthal the air moreover was as full of water here beneath as it had been above in the fog but the particles here were much larger this was the spray cast up by the raging leaping headlong water in the abyss how far down was it to that torrent eye could not penetrate ear could not tell the vault of snow overhead reverberated with the boom of the water and cast it back into the gulf as it cast back the upthrown spray he could see no water he could see nothing save the gap overhead what was he to do his arms were heavy and numbed with cold he cautiously lifted one and found that the snow had been driven even rammed hard up the sleeve by his descent he was safe where he lodged on rock and he shook out the snow from one sleeve and then the other in doing this he found the bunch of edelweiss he did not see it he felt it up his sleeve it had been carried there by the snow he did not throw it away he left it where it was what was he to do his situation was precarious he might turn giddy and fall over that terrible fascination there is in an abyss might lay hold of him and draw him down artemisia had spoken of that fascination the fascination of despair now he felt it he tried to scramble up but the shale slipped away beneath his feet and he was fain in an agony of terror to recover his former place on firm rock it was not practicable to ascend 
he leaned back against the stones that dripped and ran with water the melting of the snow overhead the condensation of the foam from the river beneath the water condensed also on his forehead and ran off his brows water cold as ice where his fingers worked hollows in the loose soil the water settled and soaked his fingers and turned them dead with cold was it that there was rhythm in the fall of the water or was it that his pulses beat in his ear and gave rhythm to the continuous thunder he could not tell he heard the throb of sound or it seemed to him to be the rattle of the machinery of his mill at murgatroyd multiplied to infinity his feet had glowed with the exercise but now they began gradually to lose heat and turn stone cold in time they would cease to have feeling in them then in numbness and weariness his knees would buckle under him and he would shoot headlong like a diver into the black void how far down was it to the water to death he wondered would he feel be conscious of the shock over the edge before he went into the water or crash with his head against a rock he had heard a fellow clerk say that as he was drowning the whole of his past life rushed before his eyes and spread itself out as a panorama a succession of scenes in a moment of time twenty years unfolded leisurely in one second displaying every incident not crowded but in sequence and all articulate would it be so as he went over the edge in the span of time between the rocks on which he stood and the clash and extinction below his heart grew faint and he felt in him the qualm that a bad sailor knows as the vessel plunges into a deep sea trough but surely he would be sought by the people at the inn certainly he would be sought but in what direction would they look for him how trace him in the mist how suppose he was below the surface of the smooth quilt of snow in the val tremola sunk out of sight hanging over a boiling torrent and now down past philip ran a thread of silver it startled him and he looked up the line to see a glimpse of the moon appear above the hole through which he had fallen the fog must have cleared away or be clinging partially to certain mountain tops if the moon were clear then the search for him could be prosecuted with some chance of success but philip was not overconfident his powers of endurance were ebbing he raised his feet and stamped on the rock he could feel the shock in his joints but not in his feet they were dead his hands were stiff he put his fingers into his mouth but this only momentarily restored vitality after the feeling had gone the muscular power would become paralyzed he was not hungry but squeamish he looked again at the moon and continued watching it eagerly it slid forward and shone full through the window of his dungeon the light fell on rocky point and rill of leaping water but could not illumine the abyss below out of which rose the voices and thunderings the voices of death the thunderings preceding judgment and now the white ray of the moon smote down into the gulf below his feet and disclosed a shoot of the purest most sparkling silver the leaping torrent as it danced over a ledge into utter darkness into which no moon-ray could dive suddenly from above a mass of snow detached itself and fell past him a mass so big that had it smitten him it would have carried him down with it the side of the hole in the snow-dome grazed the moon and ate more and still more out of it philip looked with fear he felt that when the hole of the moon had passed beyond that opening 
and not another ray fell into it when again the darkness of that vault would become utter hope would die away from his heart and he must fall but as he stood looking up watching the slipping away of the moon he saw sharp cut against it a black something and heard above the roar of the water the discordant sounds of a bark he was found found by one of the hospice dogs the first giddiness of renewed hope almost overcame him he trembled as in a fit and his knees bent so that only by a supreme effort of the will could he brace them again he believed he heard shouts but was uncertain what followed remained ever after confused in his memory he heard some italian words in his ear saw or felt someone by him was grasped a rope fastened round him he heard himself encouraged to make an effort tried to scramble helped by the rope broke through the snow and was in the upper world again was surrounded had brandy poured down his throat then he was seized by the hand and shaken old fellow phil pon my word you have given us a turn we have been hunting you everywhere lambert yes phil and who'd have thought to find you trapped under the snow the men of the party urged immediate movement to restore circulation philip's hand when dropped by lambert was seized again and held tightly but he had lost feeling in it nor could he see clearly he was dazzled by the light the brilliance of the moon and the glare of the snow after the darkness below who is that laughing he asked suddenly oh miss durham answered lambert and who is that crying a whisper in his ear it is i salome End of chapter 48